Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best Ever You Show. Thank you for listening. I think we're waiting. Um, I don't know if we have a time uh, time zone goof or what. I'm not real sure, but we're waiting for Dr. Ivan Meisner to join us. And um, I think this might be him. Hang on just a minute. Hello, hello. Let's make sure we got him. Did we get you? Hi, Dr. Meisner. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Boy, everybody, what a treat. We have Dr. Ivan Meisner with us. He is an author, a New York Times bestselling author, a humanitarian, and one of my favorite things. I learned so much from what he writes and speaks about um, is business networking. He, business networking. He's the founder of BNI. And um, do you want to just take a moment and I'll be quiet and you can tell us what BNI is and how you started it and when and all those wonderful things because it's amazing. Well, BNI, sure. BNI is a business and professional networking organization. We allow one person per profession to join one of our groups. Uh, we presently have over 9,000 300 groups in more than 70 countries around the world, more than a quarter of a million members. Uh, Our purpose is to help people increase each other's business through a structured, positive, supportive referral marketing platform. And uh, last year, uh, we passed over 11 million referrals and generated over 14 billion, with a B, $14 billion worth of business for our members all around the world. Wow. Yeah, my brother is a member and he swears by it. <laughs> so absolutely um, loves the organization. Did you, when did you come up with this idea? Was this like, you know, is this a, is this just who you are? Like if you go all the way back to kindergarten, were you always the one networking with everybody <laughs> and all that? Or where did this all no, come No, definitely from? not. Yeah, definitely not. I was not that guy. Um, I, you know, I think BNI is a, a great, example. It's a classic example of necessity being the mother of invention. Uh, I would like to tell you that I had this vision of an international networking organization, but the truth is I needed referrals for my consulting practice. And this was 1984. And uh, I had lost a a pretty big client that I thought would be renewing their contract. And uh, I was pretty hungry for business. I, I had some, um, some things going on that I really could use that business. And so I put together some people I trusted and they trusted me. We met in December of 84 to talk about the idea. Um, we all liked the idea. And in January of 1985, January 8th, 1985, we launched our first group and I had no intention of having a second group. But someone came to that first group and said, hey, this is great. I could get a ton of business. And in BNI, we only allow one person per profession. So it's one lawyer, one banker, one chiropractor. And um, she couldn't join. And she said, would you help me open up my own group? And I said, no, this isn't what I do. I'm I'm a business (laughs) consultant. I don't run networks. 
And she said, well, this is sort of consulting, you know, you're helping me build my business. I'm like, well, that's a stretch, but okay. So we opened up a second group. And at the first meeting of the second chapter, we had two people who couldn't join and they wanted to be in. They asked if I'd help open up a group. And I said, no, this isn't what I do. And they talked me into it. And at the end of the first year, we had 20 chapters, 20 chapters, Elizabeth. And I was like, what just happened? And <laughs> I, good idea is what happened, and it helps people. <laughs> Yay, well, you know, right? Right. right. Um, I, 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 in December of every year, I, I take time off and reflect. I, I think about where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? Uh, how did my plan last year? Uh, hold up, you know, what happened in terms of the plan that I had for one year this year? And that year, it's like, what the heck happened? This was not part of my plan at all. And that's <laughs> when it hit me. Two things hit me. One, we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. I had years of university work, never had a class on networking, emotional intelligence, social capital. I was like, okay, so that makes sense. And the other thing is, I did learn a lot about push marketing and pull marketing and push marketing is where it's really hard and you're pushing and pushing and pushing and pull marketing is where you're just getting pulled through the marketplace. And I, it hit me that that's what was happening. And it was at that point that I sat down in December of 1985 and created my plan to um, make BNI global. And I've been working on it ever since. And like I said, we now have over 9,300 groups, 263,000 540 members as of this morning. I get a daily count. <laughs> you know, what I love about you most is you're so accessible. You have a great sense of humor. You're so kind. I mean, it goes like the Red Cross Humanitarian of the Year Award. <laughs> Things like that are occurring. How do you stay so grounded? Well, you know, I talk about this in um, – my latest book, uh, Who's in Your Room. I don't remember if we've talked about the Who's in Your Room in, in the past, but um, the one of the last chapters of Who's in Your Room really answers that question. And in, in that chapter, I talk about the secret to balance. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, I ever talked about this, Elizabeth, what the secret to A balance is? What I believe the secret to balance is? Yeah. So for those of you listening, um, here it is. I'm going to give you the secret to balance. Lean in. Forget about balance. You'll never have it. It is elusive and I think impossible. And the reason that um, people, I think, get so frustrated with life is that we view life as this balancing act. It's almost like scales where our, our personal life has to be in balance with our business life, which has to be in balance with our health and our spirituality. And life, especially if you're in business, is just not like that. It's um, it's more like a juggling act than a balancing act. And I mean, it really is. Um, my yeah. life has always been way out of balance. But there's good news. The good news is that although you may not be able to have a, a, a life that's in balance, I believe you can have a life in harmony. And harmony is different than balance. Even the graphic for harmony, the yin and the yang, if you mm-hmm. separated those, they would be out of balance. It's that combination of, of, uh, of the things that you have in life where you stay focused on them as you have that opportunity, but don't expect the life in balance, expect, expect the life in harmony. And if you want to go deep on this, I, I'm happy to talk about 
a handful of things that you can do that's different than balance, but does create a life of harmony. Please. And then we'll talk about how to say no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Too. I love that one. That's, <laughs> I love, it. I love your book too. Uh, and, Thank you. Yeah. Let, can we talk about that for just one minute and then we'll go into, into harmony and the, and the things, but who's in your room, yeah. everybody, please go get this book. It's so amazing. It's wherever books are sold. You can get it on Amazon. We're about to put it up on besteveryou.com as one of our preferred books to read all these things. Thank so you. really, really good. Rec- oh, really, really good book. No, the thank you always goes to you because another one of my favorite things about you is that you take the time to mentor those of us, <laughs> need you so much. You know, I, I I firmly believe that if you're coachable, it makes you know interacting with you so much fun because you can just be a sponge around you and learn. It's amazing. Well, you know, I I, I have a strong belief about mentoring. I think uh, we all have uh, people who are in our story. There, there are people who've made a huge difference in my life. And when I have an opportunity, I talk about those people. But what I think is, you know, especially as you get more experienced and uh, more gray hair like I have, uh, <laughs> you, you, it's, it's not just who's in my story anymore, but it really is whose story am I in? Whose life am, am I changing? Uh, who am I helping? And so I think that um, the, the more we become successful, the more important it is to mentor uh, younger people um, so that we, they not only have, we not only have people in our story, but others have uh, us in their story. And when, when you have people in your story, then you know you're making a difference in life and you're making a difference for a lot of other people. And I think that's very important. And it all comes down to mentoring. So yeah, thank you for I, that. Yeah, I, I love it. You once, you once said something along, it, it just struck me for, you know, I would go into a business networking meeting and be like, see me, see me, hear me, hear me. <laughs> you know, it just is, unless you yeah. know better, that's what you're doing. And you're like, if everybody's there to sell, who's buying, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I need to shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way you build a relationship, and networking is more about farming than it is about uh, hunting, and that's uh, you know that's sort of a great metaphor for building relationships. Yeah. All right, go back to harmony because uh, that was oh yeah. Har- we harmony or how to say no? Which one do you want? In... Any of it. Harmony or how to say no? Which one do you want first? Um. Uh... Let's go harmony because we were talking about that, and I'm I'm really okay. curious because that that's so many of us are just oh we're tired. So let me give you a handful of techniques, um, and and I think as we go, you can see the difference between the concept of balance, where you have to be spending the same amount of time in everything or energy or focus, versus harmony. Uh, so the first technique that I want to share on how do you create a life of harmony is three simple words. They're not so easy to do, but they're three simple words. They are be here now. Wherever mm-hmm. you are, be fully present to that. If you are at work, don't be thinking about the time that you didn't spend with your family the night before. Uh, and if you're at home, don't be thinking about that project that's, that's on your desk at work that just has to get done. 
wherever you are, do your best to be fully present. Now, listen, nobody's perfect at it, and I'm not perfect at it, but I've really worked hard over the last couple of decades to, to as much as possible be fully and completely present. Uh, I'll never forget, uh, Elizabeth, about 10 years ago, um, my son, he's 26 now, so he's, uh, he was 17, so it was nine years ago. <clears throat> we lived in L.A., and we're sitting in front of a big screen TV, and we're playing Halo, him and I. Which is great game. Uh, shoot him up. It's a fun game. Shoot him up game. <laughs> and he's, by the way, he's kicking my butt. I mean, he's just, just tearing me up. And we were leveling up to the next level. And, and basically, the computer buffers, and it just takes, it takes a little bit of time. And I looked over to him and I said, Hey, buddy, was I around enough for you as you were growing up? And he looked at me like I was completely crazy. And he's like, What? And I said, Was I around enough? You know, was I here? Was I present enough for you? And he's like, you're here all the time. <laughs> I said, Can't get rid of um, you. <laughs> well, but, but I said, um, you, I don't know if you noticed, but I travel every other week. I'm, I'm like gone every other week. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah I know. You're, I, I know when you're traveling, but I don't know. It's like when you're here, you're totally here. Can, can we get back to the game now? I was like, yes, yes we <laughs> can. You. Back to the game. And that just meant Aww. so much to that, um, that, yeah, I travel. Listen, I, I, I'm on the road, uh, as a rule, 24, 26 weeks a year. Uh, wow. Not the whole week usually. But, uh, you know, I've got between three airlines, I have a total of four, almost five million air miles. So uh, I, I, I'm on the road a lot. And um, it was very important to me that I also be a good dad and be present. And so be here now sounds so simple it's not easy to do but when you do you begin to create a life of harmony beautiful want another one yes please here's, please here's, here's yeah. another um i think that it's very important that you this is probably one of the most critical is that you have to practice letting go and and holding on, which are exact opposites. But let me explain. In, in Who's in your room, one of the first sections is that you have to get good with your values. If you don't know what your values are, if you don't know what your personal values are, you'll never know what's important to you in life. And you can't have the life of your dreams. And so when you get good with your values, which you have to do in order to make this stuff work, you have to learn what is a distraction versus an opportunity or versus the things that you that are congruent with your values. And if it's not congruent with your values or if it's a distraction, you got to let go. Contrary to popular belief, I, I don't think you can have it all. I don't know anybody that has it all. And so you, ha you have to learn what things to let, let go of. And at the same time, you have to be just as much of a zealot about holding on to those things in your life that are, in fact, important. And so it's a real developed skill. It's a journey, not a destination. I don't think, I don't think any of us ever completely get there. But some of us get pretty good at it. And we learned how to let go of the things that are important and, and hold on to the things that, uh, that are. I'll give, you, I'll give you two more, and then we'll hit, it, hit the whatever other topic you want. 
here's here's a, a third one. Create margins in your life. Just like a, a book has margins, space, blank space. I think you need blank space in your life. Uh, I met a business owner a few years back, and he'd been in business for like 15 years. He said, I haven't had a vacation in 15 years. And I felt, I didn't say it to him, but I felt like saying, then you're an idiot. You're crazy if you haven't had a vacation in 15 years. You need vacations. I even said to him, Elizabeth, I said to him, because he had done so much work for me. He'd done a great job. I said, I will send you on a long weekend, four or five day weekend to Palm Springs. This was in Southern California. I'll get the mm-hmm. hotel. I'll pay for it. Go do it. You need it. He didn't take me up on it. Really? He was so busy. He had some. You know, really? Take me up on it. I would have dropped everything. Yeah, I would pay. I would have paid for most of the <laughs> like trip. I'm going. And he. So you got to create margins, and margins don't have to be just vacation time. They can be, you know, uh, my wife and I. We have. We live in a house that's got this big tower that's attached to the house, and we can go up to. It's like four stories high, and we can go up and look. We're on about ten acres, and we've got deer and and all kinds. of uh, you know, wild turkey. And we go up there um, often and have what we call wine o'clock. Wine o'clock. <laughs> what is, you say? Wine o'clock. Wine o'clock. Yeah, W I A. Wine o'clock. We get, we get a great cabernet. We go sit up there. We you know look at the view. We can see the the lake from from our tower and and, and we talk. And it's just a chance for us to connect. And it's downtime for both of us. And um, it's, it's, in, a, in a way, it's about, you know, part of that being here now and doing it in a way with a margin where we're not talking about the crazy stuff going on in our life, but just talking. And um, so create margins. I'll give you one more. And this is so important for business people in particular. Live in your flame, not in your wax. I'll repeat that. Live in your flame and not in your wax. When you're living and working in your flame, you're on fire. You're excited about what you do. You, you love what you do, and you can hear it in your voice. You can see it in your behavior. When someone's working in their wax, it's taking all their energy away. And you can see that in their behavior. You can hear that in their voice. And so what we have to do is learn what is our flame in life. And spend as much time as we can in our flame and as little time as necessary in our wax. And if we can learn how to live in our flame, that's a a major step towards living a life of harmony. Make sense? Total sense. And it's great, great information and great advice. And I read something the other day that said that most of us are late bloomers. Like, um, I can't remember the article exactly, but it was talking about how um, companies started by, you know, maybe even 40, 50, 60 year old people are way more successful or uh, I'm not going to get it all perfectly right than people who start companies when they're really younger. Do you have anything you mm-hmm. want to say about that? Because uh, here's where I'm going, why I wanted to talk about that, because so many people are like just waxed, <laughs> you know, they're just like completely so tired and they don't know where to go and they feel like they're too old or, too, you know, oh, every excuse in the, in the book. And um, I love it when we, you know, you can do anything at any age kind of mentality or, or positivity, you know, can you expand on that a little bit and give us some inspiration and round that? Well, I've met many people that have 
uh, you know, second career or third career, and they had great success uh, in that career. I mean, one of the people that stands out the most, he's, he's uh, passed away a number of years ago, but who was very successful in his later years is Colonel Sanders. I think Colonel Sanders started KFC when he was in his 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he's in the late 50s or early 60s when he started KFC. So, um, yeah, I think I think a, today more than ever a second act or a third act is um, quite possible. Uh, you know, people are living longer. Um, you know, I think uh, I think sixties are the new fifties. You know, uh, you, you see people you see people that are doing very well, and and there's an experience and a maturity that comes uh, with people that have been around a while, and they they've got some experience that. You know, been there, done that. I'm not going to do that again, and it's helpful. Sometimes I tell my kids, I'm like, I'm not necessarily smarter than you for sure, especially the the one at RIT. But I'll say, I just might, in some cases, have just a tiny bit more mileage. <laughs> yeah. Just let them go. It's funny, and yeah, poor boys. Um, all poor right, boys. so yeah. Yeah, they they got. We've known each other for a while. They've gotten. They're eighteen, twenty, twenty two, and twenty four now. I've got oh, wild so how fast that nest- happened. Are you an empty nester? No, the um, we have two. One who graduated from college is back with us, and one yeah. another. The oldest one is is with us as well. Um, he moved to get a new job, and um, is saving money and uh, getting ready to to buy a house maybe. Those types of things are happening. Well, yeah, I, I'm no. 20, 26, so we're empty nesters and enjoying <laughs> being empty nesters. Oh, yeah, especially one o'clock. I love that. And uh, before we go to how to say no, we have to mention Elizabeth. She's, oh, she's one of my favorite people. She's somebody I always want to spend like more time with talking to on the phone as well. <laughs> and, um, and I need to probably make that happen because she's she's a wealth of information as well she is and she has a new book called healing can be easy which is about her cancer journey and how she uh is completely in remission from cancer in much the way same way i did but she did some other things uh, that were very uh focused on on meditation and and being centered uh, and she's in remission from cancer and um, never went through surgery or radiation. Wow. Yeah. So family is so important, right? We talked about our kids and Elizabeth and, and my husband, Peter's a, a phenomenal person. We're going to go 21 years here pretty soon. So it's, it's lovely. And I, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it always. You can tell when, when you speak with you or interact with you that you are very family family oriented so it makes it makes me happy to that you're always checking on how are the kids (laughs) that kind of thing it's it's important to me so thank you for that um because you know we're a lot of us are working from home as well and I want to talk about that crowd because um you know I've had I've had this business the whole entire time my kids were little and it was a way to work from home and be an at-home mom and you know all of those things that we're all trying to like you said earlier balance but um I really agree with you on the whole balance is like a myth thing because I, I never found it. I mean, on any given day, something would take a priority and throw everything completely out of balance. And one of those things was an ability to say yes or no. 
Um, and I always did feel like a complete jerk when I would say no. It's like, no, I don't want to volunteer no. at the craft at the craft fair with the glue gun that's in my book I got fired from the craft fair because I'm so bad at crafts where I should have said no um but how do you say no without sounding like a complete meanie yeah a complete jerk or even worse and so we talk about that in who's in your room and and if we have some time I'd love to talk to you you mentioned working from home I've got a great story that I almost never have a chance to to share about working from home that uh, if we have some time, I'd love to talk about that later. Um, so let me give you some techniques on how to say no. The first one is my favorite. Uh, I, I love this technique. It's compassionate. It, it, uh, it, it doesn't feel like a no, and it works really well. Here it is. If I said yes to that, I'm afraid I'd let you down. I'm a, I'll repeat it. If I said yes to that, I'm afraid I'd let you down. And then tell them why. It might be that you, that's just not your area of expertise or you, like, you know, you, you're not good at the craft. Uh, or no, it might not. be something that you're just not passionate about or you don't have the time, you don't have the bandwidth, whatever it is. And you say, look, you know, I, I really respect you. Uh, I, I like our relationship. And I'm afraid that if I said yes to this, uh, I'm going to let you down. And, and I don't want to do that. So, um, it, I have found that technique works really well, especially in conjunction with another technique. You can use these separately, but using them together is a one-two punch. And the second technique is refer them to something more qualified. So, uh, of course, <laughs> it, it's a little easier for somebody like me who, I, you know, I, I run the world's largest networking organization, so I can find a lot of people. But most of us have contacts in the community. And so... Let's say you, you use the craft example. Um, you're not good at it. I don't want to let them down. But my guess is you probably know some people who are really good at it. And then it's very easy for you to say, I don't want to let you down, but I'll tell you, so-and-so, she's great at that. Would you like me to introduce you or you want to tell her that I suggested you or recommended you or recommended her? And, you, you know, you make the connection to somebody who's either better suited or is passionate about that. Listen, if somebody asks my wife to do something craft related, she would jump at it. She would love it because she loves, oh, she cry loves, and hide. <laughs> she loves, we were talking about it today as a matter. She's doing her own handwritten thank you notes. Um, she's doing the drawings and paintings on the cover of these note, blank notes, note cards that she's then going to hand out at our convention in November. So, she, I mean, she draws Aww. on the thank you note cards and then since, and then when somebody does something or gives us something, she writes a handwritten note inside. So it's completely personal. So that's the kind of person she is. You know, I draw Aww. stick figures back. So. <laughs> I make a mean chocolate chip cookie though. I'll confess. I do uh, donate a lot of chocolate yeah. chip cookies. <laughs> But yeah, art so craft. Mm. You, you just gave a third technique. You, you just oh, gave a third technique. Without knowing it. Third technique is propose, <laughs> yeah. Well, propose something else. So it, you, you said you know you're not good at crafts, but you make a great chocolate chip cookie. Propose that. She so say you know what I'm really horrible at crafts. I, you know, <laughs> I'm afraid I would let you down if I did that. But I'm great at making chocolate chip cookies. You just watch the person's eyes will light up and they'll go, that would be great. We still need somebody for that. And so propose something else. I've given you three. 
If I said, yes, I'd let you down, refer them to someone more appropriate or more qualified and uh, propose something else. All three of those techniques are, I think, uh, really effective. Sometimes you just got to be firm and use the, I don't do that. That's not something I do technique. I'll give you an example. Unfortunately, I'm going to take your chocolate chip cookie example. I don't eat (laughs) processed sugar in it because of the health problem I had. So I just eat no processed sugar. So people will give me a, a cookie or a piece of cake or, a, you know, whatever. And they'll say, uh, oh, you've got to try this. It's amazing. And I say, no, I don't eat processed sugar, but thank you. No, 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 you've you got to try this. It's amazing. I know, I, I don't do processed sugar. Thank you. And then what, I love it when they go, oh, come on, just one bite. And I, I always say, just one bite? They'll say, yeah, just one bite. I say, great, you have it. I don't, you know, I just, no can be a one word sentence. I don't usually make it a one word sentence, but you got to stand firm. Whatever you do, there's one other don't do technique. Don't Seinfeld it. Now Seinfeld was that great old TV series. And one of the really funny things uh, about the series was how characters would go off on some crazy complicated subterfuge or ruse, and they'd end up getting in more trouble. And if they'd just been honest to start with and used one of the other techniques, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I, you know, my cat needs a whiskerectomy. I've got to take him there next week. You know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Really, I, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. that That's interesting. So you, do you, I always feel like when I actually say, so like I have really bad food allergies. I have to explain for a second. I have really bad food allergies. I have anaphylaxis to nuts and tree, tree nuts and peanuts. And so people are always trying to give me food. To, you know, it's a pleasing thing. Like, oh, come on over for dinner. It's like, oh, <laughs> I don't have a sentence for that. It's like, I'm sorry. You know, all that, can, all that goes on in my head is, I'm sorry, I don't eat other people's cooking. It's dangerous yeah. for me. I might live, I might not. Yeah, it's I'm like, sure. it, you know. And, um, oh, come on, you'll be fine. I have one line that always makes them laugh and always opens the dialogue. And here's the line. I'm a special needs child when it comes to food. Oh, I love that. I go to a restaurant. The restaurant, you know, the waiter or waitress will come on (laughs) up and, and, and they'll say, okay, so we have some specials, and I'll just stop them, and I'll say, I just need to tell you right up front, I'm a special needs child with food. And they always laugh, and it, you know, it disarms them. Yeah. It disarms yeah. them. They're like, okay, fair enough. We, I, we can work with you. What, tell me what you, what you need. And, and you know, I, I, you can't go in and say, I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm gonna, and I just, it doesn't work for me. So yeah. starting off with a little humor, then opens a dialogue where they can – they can work with you if at all possible. All right. So what about the person who just ignores everything that you've just said and still says yes to everything? <sighs> that they ignore it and they're trying to get you to say yes. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or, or they're just so overscheduled or whatever, you know, there's a lot of people who just really have trouble saying, no, this is a great technique, but it might take 10 times before it goes into motion should they start, if, you know, just I think of like an, an overscheduled mom, for example, where the kids are doing something every night or two things every night. Yeah, well, um, discernment 
is very important in creating a life of harmony. It's possible that even your kids can't do everything. And it's really? possible that, no. yeah. I'm kidding. And it's I'm possible kidding. that you can't do everything for your kids. Uh, both of those are, are possibilities. And um, I think that, I think that you need to have and in your life. And, and, and the beauty of this is that it's different for you than it is for me. It's different for me than it is for you. It, it, we all have um, uh, our own choices based on our values. And that's part of discernment. You have to discern whether this is, is this in line with my values? And is it in line with my physical capabilities, my emotional capabilities? Will I still have margins in my life uh, when this happens? And, and if the answer to those questions are no, then something's got to go. Yeah. Cut something. I, tell you, I tell you what, when, when I got cancer, you'd be shocked at how much I canceled. I cut so many. I cut so much. It, I, all of a sudden, I figured out. You know what? I don't actually need to do this. And um, it, it really depends on what your priorities are. If you're healthy, then you can do more things. But you still need discernment. You can't say yes to everything and have a life of harmony. It's just not possible. So we have somebody who just um, tweeted me with a question. Um, I'm not going to open up the phone lines for this. So if you, if you do want to ask a question, I'd really love that you tweet it to us at best ever you or at Ivan Meisner, M-I-S-N-E-R. Um, and the question is, could you take us through the scenario of one, two, three that you just said with the concept of, I don't want to work these many hours. Um, someone's having trouble saying no to their boss. They're there 12, 12 to 14 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's dealing with your boss is more complicated. Um, dealing with family is more complicated. Uh, so dealing with your boss, uh, you, you can't just say no. Uh, but you can, you can tell the, the boss, uh, look, so-and-so here in the office They've got a lot of experience in that. Uh, if you don't want to say, can, you know, can, can we bring him into the project? You can at least say, can I work with him because he or she has more experience in this? And so I have found that when I've got a boss in the very, very distant past who wanted something that I just wasn't good at, uh, I, the boss just wants it done. How it gets done as long as it's legal, the boss generally is fine with it. You just need to give solutions to the boss. And if those solutions involve bringing in other people or bringing in other resources, of course, depending on, on the costs, but other people in-house, um, the boss is usually okay with it. And at some point, by the way, you've got to have discernment on about how many hours a week you're working or a day you're working. If you're working 12-hour days, Really? You don't own the business. You better be getting paid really, really good money. Because unless you're getting paid really, really good money, life is too short. And you're talking to somebody who's quit uh, companies twice, where I was making in in my day when I was in my twenties, stupid money. I was making fantastic money. And in one case, I just got bored with the work I was doing, and in the other case. The, the boss was a moron. And I just realized I, this isn't the life I want to live. I'll find something else. I can make money. Uh, I just, I, I don't, 
I don't want to live a life like this. And uh, I gave two weeks notice. I was the general manager for a light manufacturing plant. And um, I felt like I was living in the twilight zone with this boss. And I finally decided this is not the life I want. So you, you got to, this is where the values comes in. You got to figure out what are your values. And if your values, if you're great working 12 hour days and you're happy with it, then you got to find some way of, of leveraging your time. Otherwise you might, you might want to look at a different job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I quit a, a financial services job to do this. I kind of have my, I kind of have my legs in, in financial services again, a little bit, you know, I, I'm I'm back doing some things, some consulting and so forth. But I I know that feeling of when something just is not working for you, in the in the manner that it is, and you just it's an I quit moment. I think there's do you think there's a lot more of those lately, or not? I don't I don't know that there's any well, research I, genius that's going to come see, out with that or anything. But well, I tell you, you I, I'm I'm pretty confident I'm pretty confident there are because uh, lifelong employment does just doesn't exist anymore. You know, um, in the 50s and even in the 60s, uh, lifelong employment was uh, pretty commonplace. You know, you worked at companies for 20, 30, 40 years. That was common. That's rare now and it's very rare now. And so, uh, you know, companies are turning people over. People are turning over. Uh, you know, it's keeping somebody for five or 10 years is harder than it used to be when I started B&I in 1985. And so, yeah, I think people are, are moving around, especially when the economy is good. It happens even more. I have another question for you. Do you mind taking questions? I'm happy okay. to take questions. The only dumb question is the unasked question. So I'm happy to do <laughs> Love it. All right. Somebody just wants to know, what are some of your goals? Well, I have had goals throughout my entire life. Um, if you go to IvanMeisner.com and you uh, look up life plan, I think that's what I titled it, my life plan or something like that. When I was in my 20s, I, I wrote down my, in general terms, my life plan. Um, I, you know, I, uh, my, let's see if I can remember it exactly, but in my 20s, it was all about learning. I had to be a sponge. That was when I was going to college. That's when I was new in my career. In my 30s, I would hone my skills. In my uh, 40s, I would really build a career. In my 50s, uh, I was going to be at the top of my game. And in my 60s, I was going to be an elder statesman. And <laughs> I'm a real believer in being a planner. And it is amazing how my life has played out that way. I didn't talk about what profession I was going to be in. My plan wasn't about what profession I'm going to be in, what it is I was going to be doing, but what my life would be like in, in business and, in, and personally. And so I, I believe in goals and I, I have goals. Um, I have kind of reached the point in my career of whoever's asking this question where I'm, I'm living in my flame. I'm sort of the, you know, we talked about KFC earlier. I'm sort of the Colonel Sanders of BNI, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, That's cute. I'm the spokesperson for the organization, and uh, so I'm I'm living in my flame uh, in, in this organization. But some of the goals that I have for me personally is that uh, I want to continue to do uh, at least uh, one book every uh, 12 to 18 months. Um, I love writing. I want to do uh, continue to do. I do about a 
150 interviews a year. I want to continue to do those. Uh, I want to, um, uh, to continue to speak. I speak probably 100 to 150 times a year. Uh, and I want to have more time vacationing with my wife. I, I have taken her all over the world, but I haven't taken her on a lot of vacations where BNI wasn't connected in some way. So I'd go to visit a BNI region, and then I'd take a week off with her. I want to do more of just go someplace. And there's nothing before. There's nothing after. There's just her and I. So that's you know one of my goals. For BNI, I'll get really big, and I'll, I'll share you some things that I'm going to share at my convention. Um, when I was when I started BNI, it was 1986. I had 30 chapters. 30. I said to to people around me, I think BNI someday could have 10,000 chapters. And I remember someone saying, "You're dreaming, man. You're dreaming." And I love people who say that. Like, yes, yeah, I am. And, and that's exactly right. Yes, I am. But I think that a dream or a goal uh, can come to fruition when you do two other things. You have a plan and you take action. So I believe in big, dreaming big, having a plan, and taking action. So for BNI, my long-term vision for the organization is that we can have over 25,000 chapters where we're, we're, we're getting close to 10,000, which was my dream in 86. Um, I think we could have over 25,000 chapters. I think we can have millions of members. And I think someday we won't be generating $10 billion worth of business for our members. We'll be generating $100 billion worth of business for our members in a year. And those are some of my really, really big long-term goals for uh, for me professionally. So you just did something that I just so believe in, um, and that is verbalizing your goals so that everybody can yeah. hear it. So that I think a goal that isn't spoken out loud and shared at least with one other human being sometimes doesn't get achieved because it, sometimes in order to, mm-hmm. to, to me anyway, sometimes to achieve our goals, you, it's all hands on deck. Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. It's it's the burn the boats mentality. You know the metaphor, yeah. You can teach the, me. <laughs> the, well, the Please. burn the boats metaphor it could come from a couple of different places, but it's thought to come from um, the Greeks, uh, where they uh, I think they they went to Persia, and um, the the general uh, told the soldiers burn all the boats, and they're like, mm-hmm. why? Because because we're not coming back until we win. And he had them burn all the boats. And they were there. <laughs> there was no <laughs> retreat. And that, that gives you a lot of focus when you know there's no retreat. And I think sometimes when you have a, a big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG, um, you need to burn the boats. And when you learn how to do that, you can create miraculous things in life. Yeah. Love it. Here's to more goals, right? Um, thank you, Scott, for asking that question. I really, I, I really love that one. And we have another one. I, we could probably just sit here and ask you questions all day long. Okay, so somebody wants to know what your favorite book that you've written is, and your favorite book that you haven't written is. 
Interesting question. Thank you for that. That's Heather. Well, uh, picking your favorite book is like picking your favorite child. You know, you you can't do that. You know, I, um, let me. I'll, so I'm going to give you two favorites. Um, from a business perspective, I think Networking for Success. I just love that book because it was so different than anything I had done, and it talks about success and and how you achieve success. And my latest book, Who's in Your Room. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually one of the shortest books I ever wrote. It's, it took me longer to write this book than almost any other book, although it's very short, um, because we actually had who's in your room up to 45,000 words and it wasn't the book we wanted. And, and my co-authors were like, we quit. We, we, I mean, they don't quit, but they didn't want to do any more. They were so burned out and they handed me the, the manuscript and I took it from 45,000 to 15,000 words because we wanted it to be readable on an airplane flight. We wanted it to be uh, actionable and, and very hands-on and people can read it and do it right away. And so I think those are probably my two favorite books that I've, I've written. Um, on networking, okay, I'm going to give you a third. On networking, is probably networking like a pro. So for networking skills, it's probably networking like a pro, the second edition. Uh, books I haven't read, I'll give you two business, one business, one personal. Um, business book was the business book would be uh, the E Myth by Michael Gerber, the Entrepreneurial Myth by Michael mm-hmm. Gerber. Um, that was the book that had me create my plan to scale B and I. Uh, Michael is he's he was a virtual mentor for me in 1986 because I didn't know Michael. Uh, I was on a radio show about 10 years ago. Somebody asked me this question, and I said the EMF, and I talked about how Michael's concepts uh, changed the way I, I, I developed the business. And just so happened that Michael was listening to that interview. And he called oh, me neat. up. Yeah, it was really neat. And so Michael's a, a good friend now, and, uh, and that book absolutely changed my life. Um, so the uh, personal book, I would say, uh, this will surprise people. I don't know if I've ever said this in an interview. Um, I love science fiction. And hmm. so the, the, uh, my favorite science fiction book is Foundation by Isaac Asimov, and it would be the Foundation series. So it's actually more than one book, but uh, it's, you can get it as one book now, uh, the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. Love that book. What's your favorite science fiction movie? Are you movies or books in that? In that? Like, are you a Star Trek fan, that kind of thing? Yeah, I love Star Trek. Yeah, I yeah, love Star Trek. Um, yeah, I love Star Trek. Love, uh, I, I like Star Wars. I love Star Trek. Um, you know, love. I love. One of the things I really love about uh, Star Trek was the moral stories embedded mm-hmm. in many of the the episodes. Um, there was often a moral story there that was very powerful, and if you look past the, you know. The, the science fiction element there was there was good storytelling good storytelling i'll tell you my favorite my my other my other favorite tv series and my wife and i just finished we did binge watching of the <laughs> series uh just finished it last night uh was west wing the west wing yeah the old west world series, uh, or west west wing west, west wing, wing. About okay the White House. oh yeah uh, west okay wing. good Cool it was in the, yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. yeah seven, seven years we, 
we went through all seven years. <laughs> took us about awesome. two months to get through it, but we watched them all. Oh, super, super fun. Yeah, I, I love Netflix and all those things. We, we binge watch a lot of stuff here too, but um, Star Trek seems to be the thing that when the kids come home from college, it's in a loop. Um, they just watch Star Trek all the time. And it was like they My just discovered episode. Star Trek. <laughs> My favorite episode on Star Trek, um, The Next Generation, and you know, people are listening to this are probably like, well, why are you talking about Star Trek? Uh, it's okay, uh, we can. But it would be... <laughs> It would be the time that Picard, they came up to this device that was in space and it flashed and Picard passed out and yeah. he woke up on the planet. You remember that one? He woke up on the planet <laughs> and he kept, he kept telling everybody, I'm a, I'm a starship captain. And they're like, right, Charlie, you're a starship captain. You know, go lay down, <laughs> take a nap. Yeah. And he kept telling people, I'm a starship captain. Nobody would believe him. He lived his entire life. He lived an entire life on this planet, decades on this planet. He learned how to play a flute on this planet. And, and then the last part of the show, uh, it was he went, he went to see the spaceship launch. And, and um, they said to him, the spaceship has a message for uh, – the, the planet was going to uh, blow up through a, through a, a nova or no, the, the sun – was expanding and the planet was going to die. And it's a, it's a message, basically a message in a bottle for people who might come near. And it was that ship that he had seen in his mind decades before. Um, and he woke up on the bridge of the enterprise. Yeah. You and my incredible. And, but the thing that I loved about it was he could then play the flute. <laughs> He could oh, the flute. So even though it was all in his head and it lasted like 20 minutes, he then was able to play the flute. By the way, that flute went on uh, auction. It did. I, had I, it did. And had I oh, known it was in auction, I would have, I would have bought that thing. But it sold before, <laughs> before I <laughs> knew about it. Knew about it. You, I apologize for the for the mail you might receive as a result of this show. I have a feeling you're going to get invited to conventions or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never been to a convention. I'm not sure I'd go, but I do love the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and my husband. Um, I one time I said, "Well, what do you want for Christmas?" And he's he's like, "I want the entire box set of every Star Trek episode ever on DVD." So we own that. Wow. Do you have that? Yeah. Uh, not. I uh, next generation. I do. Yeah. I'll have to look at what he's got. I might have to. Might, that might be a good Christmas gift. <laughs> anyway. All yeah, right. but now on Netflix, <laughs> you can get the whole series on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, there's something about like an <laughs> a, a old DVD. I don't know. It might be a little bit old DVDs, but anyway. Yeah. Well, that that is that's awesome because you know aside from all the business part, you know part of all of this conversation. I love it when we, when we have actual conversations so we get to know people a little bit better. And it, it, um, um, Elizabeth, you have pulled more, more personal stuff out of this interview <laughs> with me than I think anybody <laughs> ever has. So, well, well done. <laughs> well, I'm, I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours and it's always a, it's just a, an honor to always have you on the website and be able to have access to you like this. Cause people just love it. And, um, Okay, so we're going to get back to business here because we have eight minutes left, and um, I, we've got more questions for you. But I, what I want to know, yeah. uh, um, is there anything that um, 
Do you want to tell people about your website or your social media or your radio show? I'd really love for people to um, know where you, you know, where you want them to go to listen to some of the advice. Yeah. Aside from shows like this, you know, we know you're on best ever you and all that, but you know, my crowd knows, but. And I love, I love contributing to that site. Thank you for inviting me. Oh yeah. You, you lead the site. (laughs) You're there. It's so amazing. And in the art of you section, that's going to be neat as it, as things unfold and they put up all everybody's books and everything. It's going to be really exciting. But aside from that, I mean, I love your radio show. Do you want to, do you want to talk about that or that's me personally? Yeah. Your podcast is amazing. Well, thank you. Um, I've been doing the podcast now for 12 years, a weekly podcast, uh, but it's very BNI centric. So if you're in BNI, you probably know about it. If you're not in BNI, I don't think the podcast is probably for you because it is very BNI centric, but I'll tell you, there's a website that's great for anyone, whether they're in BNI or not. Um, and it's uh, IvanMeisner.com. IvanMeisner.com is my blog site, which I've also been doing for 12 years. And uh, it, uh, it's got videos and it has a lot of uh, material that I've written over the years. 12 years, twice a week for 12 years. There's a ton of content up there. Um, IvanMeisner.com. And of course, anyone who's interested in BNI, please go to BNI.com and check out a chapter near you. What does that mean oh, to you, join you asked about BNI? Social, you asked about social media. Oh, yeah. Social media. Uh, my, where I hang out the most is on Facebook. So go to okay. facebook.com slash Ivan Meisner dot BNI founder. Uh, Ivan Meisner dot BNI. Uh, so it's Facebook Ivan Meisner dot BNI founder. Uh, I've got about 127,000, 128,000 followers up there. Cool. Yeah, I hang out on Twitter a lot. I use Facebook more for personal and for community, but I, I hang out on Twitter a lot. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it sort of complements the two, I think, to to yeah. push content out and articles and things like that about you through Twitter as well. Um, if you were going to, um, oh, what was I just going to ask you about? Oh, I know, speaking. For those of us yeah. who are rookie speakers, not doing keynotes and some of the things that we dream of doing and having goals of doing. Do you have any kind of speaking materials that you hand out or talk about, you know, do you teach people to speak? I guess is my question. I I have done it in within BNI uh, at, at events, but uh, I don't really do coaching or training um, for for people to speak professionally. I think um, I'll give you, a, I'll give you some tidbits that might be of value. First and foremost, go out and practice. Uh, you know, I get paid stupid money now to, to do a, a, a one hour keynote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really stupid money. <laughs> but um, I, you know, when I started, I did it for free. Uh, and then I started charging a stipend and, you know, back in the day, you know, we're talking about a hundred, 200 bucks. Um, and I'm talking about 85 through maybe 88, I'd only charge a couple hundred bucks um, that would just, you know, basically cover my meals or whatever. And, 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 and in those cases, I wasn't flying anywhere. Then the next thing I did was, uh, you know, just pay my expenses uh, if I had to fly somewhere. So just work up to it. The thing is you got to get out and speak because you, you, you have to hone your presentation. When I do a one hour keynote presentation, the first time I do it, I spend, no kidding, Elizabeth, at least 40 hours working on a one-hour talk. Really? Before I ever, yeah, 40 hours. 
and I'm a believer in PowerPoint. A lot of yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to keynote that rocks, and I believe yep. in PowerPoint, but uh, but PowerPoint should not have a lot of verbiage. It should be images. For me, each PowerPoint slide is a character in my presentation. It's a character <laughs> in my presentation. Sometimes I just show a slide and people laugh hysterically because of the layup I did verbally. You should, unless you're training people in a training platform, you should have very little verbiage. You should have much more imagery than verbiage in a keynote. And you got to learn how to tell stories. Stories are the lifeblood of great keynotes. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the formula for a great story. A great story is a fact wrapped in an emotion that compels people to take action that transforms them in some way. I'll repeat that. It's a fact. You're giving them information. You're teaching them something. It's wrapped in an emotion. It could be, it could tug on the heartstrings. It could be humorous. I love humor. I tend to use humor more than tugging on the heartstrings, but it's a fact wrapped in an emotion. It compels people to take action so that when you tell them this, they go, I got to do that. Why am I not doing that? I have to do that. And then when they do it, it transforms them in some way. That is a powerful story. You learn how to tell powerful stories like that, and you'll be a great keynote speaker. Anyone who's listening to this message, you'll be a great keynote speaker. Yeah. I like what you said about training as well. A lot of us think that we're great speakers because we've had a training background. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's, it's eight hours of preparation for every one hour of a training class. So it can be lengthy as well, but 40 hours, I think about that. Um, and how, how do you go about actually memorizing an hour? Do you have little cards? Do, have you just done this in your, you know, you can, I mean, the first time you got up to do a keynote, were you nervous? Oh, yeah, I'm nervous always. I'm nervous to this day. Uh, you know, and, really? and, and that's okay. Oh, yeah, before I go up, I got, I got nerves. But uh, you know what I found is that the nerves actually give me a little adrenaline. And the adrenaline uh, is good. If I go up and I'm too relaxed, then I don't hit it as well. So a little bit of adrenaline is okay. Embrace the discomfort. I have learned to embrace the discomfort. And then once I'm up on stage for a minute, I'm good. Um, you know, I just pretty much forget about it. And, and so you, you, gotta, uh, you asked about notes. I take notes up. I have notes. I don't read the notes but I can refer to the notes. That's the way I was trained to speak, so I do it. It's mostly bullet points. Um, I was trained to speak that way. I, I use it to this date. You know, some people might think it's a crutch. I don't care. Works for me. I don't really <laughs> exactly. read the notes. Yeah. Uh, and I and I don't I don't memorize it. But at, what happens is as I get as I do the speech over and over. Remember, I said I do 100, 150 talks a year. Uh, as I do the talk. I change it because of timing. It's like a, a comic because I do use humor. A, co a great comic knows timing. You have to know timing in your presentation. You have to know when the laugh is going to come. You have to know that when the laugh is going to come, you pause to let them fully appreciate the humor and laugh. And so you've got to get your timing right. And that's what takes, that's what takes a lot of practice is getting that right, especially if you mm -hmm. move the presentation around, which 
I'll often do. The talk I do the first time is. The call dropped. Uh oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think the call dropped. Um, I don't know if you can call back in. If if you can call back in, um, that just completely dropped out, and I'm not real sure why. Um, we're still recording, Dr. Miser, and that just absolutely dropped out. So right in mid sentence, I apologize. We may have to do a layup show. Um, I don't know why that just dropped out. Um, the number is 646-787-8537 if you get to call back in. I'm going to give it a minute or two here um, to see if, if he can get back in the show. We were scheduled for an hour, but usually it goes into record mode, so I'm not real sure what happened. Um, so I'm just going to tell you all to visit drivanmeisner.com. And that was, that was really great. We're going to have him back on to talk more about speaking because that was really helpful. 40 hours for an hour of a keynote in, in prep. And he was talking about um, give, a fact, wrap, give a fact, wrap it in emotion so that it compels action and then transforms them. We were right in the middle of that conversation um, to talking about that and speaking. And I really appreciate you all listening. I don't think he's going to be able to call back in. So um, thank you all for listening to our show with Dr. Ivan Meisner. Uh, his book, Who's in Your Room, is, avail- is available wherever books are sold. Uh, his website is ivanmeisner.com, and he's the founder and chief visionary officer at BNI. And um, I will put up links to everything, and um, I think we're gonna, we'll have him back on to maybe finish out the last 10, 15 minutes of the show because there's something technical wrong and I'm not sure what it is. So we appreciate you all for listening live to us. We're on free replay on Spotify now, on iHeartRadio, on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, a whole bunch of spots. And we thank you all so much for listening to us. We're grassroots and um, we we just appreciate, appreciate you all um, for listening. Because when we have authors and experts and visionaries and entrepreneurs here, we aren't putting tons of advertising behind these shows. We're letting these shows go grassroots out into the world. And so your downloads, your shares, you're telling somebody, hey, listen to this show. Dr. Dr. Ivan Meisner was just on and he gave this great advice in so many different ways. Um, it actually changes your life. And we hope that this is the case. And we've really enjoyed having you all listening. And Dr. Ivan Meisner, thank you so much for listening. And um, to my little stories. <laughs> and um, thank you for teaching us, more importantly. Um, you just so valued on besteveryou.com and we appreciate having access to you. And Beth, hello, congratulations on your new book. And I look forward to having you on the show as well. So thank you everybody for listening. Visit us at Best Ever You. Take care and have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You.